Hello, I'm Robert Cross. Welcome to RNHA News Radio. I'd like to introduce tonight's guest, Denison Rivera. He's running in State House District 79, Montana. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Rob, for having me here. So how are things going in Montana? Currently, well, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, for the most part, I'm, I'm actually really worried because recently Governor Bullock has issued a, I guess, a new mandate um, where he's him and the health department are limiting events going down to 50 people. We had approved events going up to 250. Now it's down to 50. And and now he's using part of the Corona Relief Fund that was supposed to be helping small businesses. Now he's using that to hire people to be able to sue um, non-compliant businesses. And so it's just, it's a scary time for small businesses here. I'm a small business owner myself, and it makes it really concerning for my clients and myself just how we're going to move forward uh, with all these mandates and, and and government overreach, basically. And also, he made it a new – he also created a new website where people are able to report businesses and others anonymously, which is crazy. So it's 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 a scary time. It's a really scary time. We don't – we're hoping things can change soon, and hopefully in this election, uh, we get Greg Gianforte as our new governor, and he be able to help us. But right now, small businesses, it's it's we're all uh, we're all just waiting and biding our time and trying to figure out how we're going to make it through this. There are a lot of programs that the White House have implemented to help small businesses. How make you feel as a small business owner that the standards for conducting business for small businesses during COVID, especially in states like Montana that has a lot of government overreach. How does it make you feel like the big corporations like Walmart and Target can remain open? You, they can have basically as many people as they want in there, and you guys are the ones who are getting dinged. I think it's offensive and hypocr hypocritical of anything. It's it's it just shows that this isn't a a strategy against bringing down the virus. This is just a strategy of control. A strategy to have us comply with whatever they want us to comply with. And and I've seen it firsthand. I think I think my Colombian my recent Colombian venture when I was stuck out there for two months and I've seen the real tyranny that happens out there we have no rights and can do nothing at least at least at very minimum they they were so adamant about the virus that people were locked down for the last eight months and couldn't do anything but these people pretend you know virtue signal and pretend that all they're doing all they're, they're you know doing everything they can to be able to save lives and they create and as a marketing consultant i see all the marketing behind it i see you know um you know stay home save lives and uh my mask protects you your mask protects me these are all like marketing lingo to manipulate the masses meanwhile as you said, you have Walmart and you have Target and you have all these big retail stores that remain open while you're trying to close down our smaller store, our small businesses. And then you have the Governor Bullock out there participating in events where he, he recently tried to um, – the not more than probably like two months ago. He tried to create a mandate where people couldn't – or the health department wouldn't allow – uh, parents to uh, participate or visit um, during during a sports live event for their kids, but Bullock could Governor Bullock could and and there's pictures of him without a mask. It's, it's like it's it's so much hypocrisy that it's it's while they're telling everyone they're doing it in the name of health and security and trying to protect others, 
Meanwhile, they don't do it themselves. And the very same people that are criticizing and judging others are not doing everything they takes themselves. They, they're, they're, they're barely able to keep up with the mandate. And as soon as they're able, they just take off their mask or they just, you know, don't, don't even comply with the, with the same standard that they're put on others. It's, it's pure hypocrisy. And, and if anything, it's, it's corruption. Let's go back a minute. You mentioned you were in Colombia, and recently you've got a bit of bad press. So let, let's set the record straight. What happened while you were in Colombia? And let's address these uh, rumors that have been going around about your so-called violations. So the, the finance violations are accurate. I mean, if anything, I, I didn't submit my reports on time. Um, and I didn't have to, you know, I, I, I didn't report, uh, two expenditures. Uh, one was like for $23 another was for signage. And the reason why it was basically cause I was in Colombia. I was, I was in, I was in, uh, on the other side of the world basically. And I was in a street, I went through three different quarantines and one of them was a house arrest. And basically, make the long story short, I was more preoccupied protecting my family, maintaining my family in order, making sure they're safe. And I went through a series of different hoops just to get back home to Helena. And since I got back home to Helena, I was working with COPP, the Commissioner of Political Practices, calling them all the time. And they were helping me. And that's their, that's their purpose. The COPP is there to help candidates report accurately. And so, so they did. They did just that. So it's just quite interesting how the other side uh, was a, was a particular individual who did that. But the other side uh, tried to make a complaint about me, and um, it was a valid complaint. But they made they tried to the unfortunately try to blow up more than it really was. The good thing is that I corrected it, I amended it, and it's taken care of. How dangerous were things in Colombia during the the initial phases of the pandemic? And, it, and it's too long of a story for me to go into all the details. But when my uncle, my family, my wife and and I were all in the vehicle coming back to my uncle's house and all, we, all of a sudden we see police everywhere and lining us up and telling us that we are now under mandatory quarantine because we're from the United States and we cannot leave to our own front lawn and our provisions we have to figure out how to get that but we can't leave the premises if we leave the premises they'll send military police to to our um, to our residents and arrest us and put us a fine and they're gonna tell the whole neighborhood that they can watch us and report us if they're at any case they, they see us leaving which they did. They reported us often just for suspicion of one of us leaving. So they would show up in the morning, line us up, and count us, count how many heads are there, make sure they were still there. And they took pictures and videos, and all of a sudden we were the talk of the country because here we go, here's some Americans. And meanwhile, yeah, here's the Americans that could have the coronavirus, got to quarantine them. And meanwhile, the news we were getting in Colombia is that everyone in the United States is dying. Basically, we didn't know what to believe. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. It was pure craziness. And thankfully, my mother-in-law was able to drop off food for us, or else we would have no provisions. And it was, it was a, a scary time. Uh, for the first time, I understood how to ration and how to try to survive, basically, with uh, little information that we were getting from the internet. So. I mean, really little information, only because we had no internet in in there. So we had to like try to find a way to get information. It was it was crazy. 
sounds like you all went through a lot. And I, I'm just betting that none of that, what you just told us about what you went through in Columbia, was in the the puff piece that was done on you. Interesting in the, interestingly enough, they actually got a quote from me, which I, where I explained my side of the story. So I think it's funny that I think the the puff piece actually backfired on them. Whoever was trying to make um, make a fool out of me, I guess. But I think it was just quite interesting. I mean, it was it was a non-story. It was basically, hey, look, you know, I was trying, I was busy surviving in a different country. Uh, so the last thing that that I thought about was reporting my fans at some time. I'm sorry, they're reported now, and it got me a lot of press. Um, as far as a lot of people took notice of the of the article and were equally upset with me because they just thought it was ridiculous. Uh, but they did quote me, but they weren't after that. They were more. They were really just hounding on me, asking me. You know, but why? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? I'm like, I don't know what else you want me to say uh, other than I was trying to survive. I mean, what else do you want from me? I mean, I know what other answer you're, you're looking for, but I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, what don't you understand? <laughs> so, I don't know. It was quite, it was quite an interesting, um, very interesting moment there that I had. Um, but the, but the, Puff piece. I think the worst part of the puff piece was just the headline. It made it seem like I was found guilty. I'm gonna go to jail or something like that. I can't imagine a court in the country that would convict you for trying to survive in uh, communist Colombia. <laughs> right. Especially like you're telling me here that they were gonna send the military police after you. You know, use military force to confine you to your home. I mean, in addition to that being very, you know, scary, that must have been something terrifying that you went through. Like, you know, there's not much you could have done at that point. Colombia isn't exactly a first world country. You had no access to, you know, you had little or no access to information. And you were, as you were just saying, you were rationing food. Like at that point, what is it that the other side expects? You might as well have been, like, behind enemy lines. Right. And, and you know what? I mean, I have to say that, um, for the most part, um, it, it, it was extremely scary. It was, it was terrifying, you know, looking back at it, especially with little information about what was going on in the rest of the world. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that our senator from Montana, Senator Danes, actually did reach out. Um, his team did. Reached out to me, make sure I was okay was in talks with the embassy to make sure I was okay. You know, eventually we got in a humanitarian flight. Took It took a month and a half, but we got a humanitarian flight to get back. And uh, so, you know, thankfully we were able to get back safe. But uh, we actually had to first escape from the first uh, house arrest in order to even get to the humanitarian flight. It, it's a long story, but to make it short, I just appreciate the fact that our, our Montana senator actually reached out and tried to try to get us back home. And um, the only the only the unfortunate thing is that when you're American and you're in a different country, you have no rights. You have no rights. I mean, what rights do you really have? I mean, at the moment, like you feel powerless. You feel you feel absolutely beholden to the government, where the government can just do whatever they want with you. And and I didn't know what to do. And then when I come back to the U.S., I, I appreciate the privilege we have to live here. This is why we're here. This is why we, so many people immigrated here. It's so that we can have these freedoms, so that we can have the right to at least speak up and defend ourselves and say no. Simple as that. 
Oh, you're right. That is one of the truly great things about being American is all of the freedoms we have. Let's talk a little bit about the current climate uh, in the U.S. today, specifically the the anti-police sentiment and the this rise in this you know violent rise in this belief of uh, systemic racism and how sort of the two things correlate. Well, that, that's funny because re- recently I was in a forum um, amongst the, the candidates here in Helena, and the majority in, in the forum that were participating were Democrats. And when a question came up in regards to uh, systemic racism or the notion of it, they were just all on board. They just jump on it and they just start talking about hey, you know, let's talk about, you know, yeah, systemic racism, we had to do what we can to get to get rid of that. And, you know, we had to uh, review policies and review police policies and this and this and that. And uh, and what I said basically was it, it's I find it so interesting how every time Democrats bring up system, systemic racism, they, they treat it like the boogeyman. They, they can never really identify whom they're speaking of. They never do. They never do. The, the only time they ever specify anyone is Trump. But other than Trump, when he talks to Montana or, or even better, just talking about Helena, they can never identify a single person who they can, they can identify as racist or what system specifically is racist. And then if they even have an idea of what system that might be, it turns out that they are the very ones who are, are the leaders and authority within the system. So I brought it out and I was just like, well, I mean – you guys are all white. Who who are we speaking of? Are we talking about our governor Bullock? No, are we talking about our state legislators, which is you people? Who are we, who are we talking about here? So, you know, if you guys really believe in systemic racism so much, then and as I said this to my opponent, I say if you really believe in all that so much, then drop the race and let me win. You you would by dropping the race, you would ensure that a person of color, the only Latino who's basically running in this race, has a seat as a lawmaker, basically. I mean, and, and it's funny because I got that from a, a recent um, article that came out that one of, um, I believe one of the constituents um, that wrote, a, wrote a, uh, a letter to the editor stating just that, just basically saying, if, if they really are a proponent for minorities, then why don't they just let him win? Why are they opposing the only minority running in the race makes no sense. It, it's it's just it's just it's just lip service to me. And so they talk, you know. And it's in plus. Let's be honest. Montana is ninety eight percent white. You know, we are we are a strong, or better said, we are literally the minority. But more and more people of color are coming to Montana, and not because. There's oppression here, not because the majority of Montana is racist. They're coming to Montana because of the beautiful culture here. There's a beautiful the people the way people treat each other here is wonderful, and we want to assimilate to the culture. That's why we're coming here. So, what's this about systemic racism? What are they talking about? They don't know. It's interesting that you made the point. Like every time they're talking about systemic racism, they're the ones who are actually in power. And then you know, recently in Trump's debates. Uh, he pointed out that Joe Biden is the one who passed the 
you know, the 19, I think, 84, don't quote me on the date, right. uh, criminal reform that put a lot of people of color in prison. So then, you know, they're saying, well, the system's systemically racist, but uh, who is the ones who passed the bills to make it that way if it exists? Right. The worst places for people of color are Democrat-run cities. And it's just the truth. It, it, it's the number one place of, of crime, uh, of hate. I mean, just pure hatred for one another, unfortunately. And, 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 and people against their own. I mean, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, I, I can't stand it. And, and I grew up in Houston, and uh, I would say Houston has been, even though Texas is, is, is pretty much a red state, it has been pretty conservative, and we have conservative values in Texas. That's where I'm from. But growing up, I, I, I can't say I was conservative growing up. I, I had to say I had a completely different thought process do I have now or belief system I have now. I was taught, you know, in the system, like growing up in public school and everything else, just you're taught that you're just you're never gonna get anywhere in life because because of the of the color of your skin, you know, because of this, because of the white man, because this and this and this, and the police are against you and get arrested. So make sure you have your hands up and you have your hands in the steering wheel. And I'm just told all these things consistently, and then I find out the police are majority black and Hispanic. <laughs> so it's like. Like I just saw all these inconsistencies as I was growing up, and I didn't understand. And I've always been the kind of person that's been like questioning the narrative. You know, like you tell me something, okay, cool, let's substantiate that. And it's just been interesting how every single time it it just like I I I just listen and I question and I start exploring, and then it always kind of turns out to be the opposite, quite the opposite. And and there's reasons why things happen, and they are the way they are. You know, and that's just a completely different topic. But it's it's just, and I'm not saying that racism never happens, but unfortunately, we judge the majority based on on extremists, on, on the the very few extremists that exist. You know, um, United States from the from its birth has been a place that's been battling against racism, battling. You know, and has done its best against against destroying um uh, not done the bet it destroyed slavery you know so that's the whole point it's like we, we keep on going back to this to this victimhood mentality to keep people oppressed you know and i think was it kanye west who, who technically said or just recently said in a quote that it's the racist liberals who are telling black people that they can't think for themselves yeah i remember that it was in an interview i think yeah, and, and I think that applies to not just black people, to Hispanic people as well. They keep on telling us, I'm just like my canvas, and I go door to door. Every time I run to a Democrat, they give me this look. And if you can see my face, I show you the look. But basically, it's just really confused, puzzled look. At first, they're happy to see me. At first, they're like, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, you're, you're a politician. That's great. A young man, young Latino person of color. Okay, great. Uh, and then when they see I'm a Republican or I say I'm a Republican, either shut the door in my face or or they give me the most puzzled look in the world and then they ask me a question they're like well denison uh why 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 republican like why and the real question they're asking me is i mean some of the some of them even play, you know just tell me straight out they're just like well i mean aren't republicans racist why would you run as a republican because republicans 
in fact, better said, conservatives have a lot in common with the Latino culture. We have so much in common. You know, we want to protect our family. We want to worship as we choose. Uh, we want to have the freedom to work and pursue our dreams. And the Republican Party is the only one uh, pushing for that right now. They're pushing for solutions. You know, they're willing to, accept, to, to give me an opportunity to do that. Where the Democrat Party is like, if they don't fall in line, they're gonna they're gonna cast me out. So, it, it's two different, different, completely two different ideals, you know. And the Democrat Party doesn't represent things that we, we that we believe like pro life. Oh, I was I was just at a at a pro life event today, the Forty Days for Life um, at the Planned Parenthood, and you know they went there to pray, and um, and the abortion. And so, like, ask how many Latinos, you know. You know, are pro-life. Like majority, the majority of them are. Colombia, forget about it. There's no such thing as abortion over there. So, I mean, what's what's the deal here? You know, it, it's like it's like people are confused by um, just by the stigma, or they're confused because they they think every person of color has to be Democrat. It makes no sense for them to be Republican. It's just it's it's horrible. That thought, it, the notion itself, is quite racist. I would agree, especially, you know, I come from California, where the majority of people are liberal, and I remember getting into endless debates with my uh, associates when I was in college about, um, you know, being, uh, you know, conservative and being Hispanic, and it just blew their heads. Like, my teachers couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, socialism is a bad thing. Look at all the harm it's done. And they're like, well, you, you just don't understand, you know, just how bad capitalism was. And, you know, you're, you're, you're being ignorant, Robert. And it's just like, that's the attitude they have. The attitude of the Democratic Party is if you don't think like us, you must, you know, you must have some sort of internalized racism or, you know, you're just not educated enough. You need to be enlightened by the, the woke you know, Democrats. It's more like the dumbing down. It's more like <laughs> it, it really is. It's like you have to you have to intellectually sacrifice your mind or sacrifice your intelligence to even agree. It, it really is no other way to put it. You have to basically euthanize yourself and and, and just be the Walking Dead. No, I would agree. The the mental gymnastics that my liberal professors would try to make us do not only were insulting personally it's intellectually dishonest at times but i mean to do that sort of mental gymnastics you would have to lobotomize yourself there's no way any form of reason could contort your thoughts in that way Right. It's it's almost impossible. It's like you have it's it's I don't know. I think that I think when I look at this, it's like you have no choice but to believe in God. When I look at these situations, it's like only oh, there has to be a God of some sort to make to to not let people. I don't know, get to 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 keep people in such a state where they they, they can't see the truth. They're just blind to it. They, there's no concept. They're just they're completely stuck to it, and and it and it's like until they're confronted with the truth, 
then they're set free. And it's it's a confrontation. It's not like it's not even it, it's it's a it's a whole experience of of just talk about someone just talk about Trump not being racist and they can't believe it. They can't see it. They just they just don't understand. It, it, they're completely dumbfounded by the notion for you to even say that. Even it's insulting. They even kill you for it, for saying such a thing. But it's true. No, it is true. It's true, and it's like there's nothing. There's nothing. It's nothing but the truth. And so, like, how can someone be so confounded to 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 reject such a notion? It's like I, I mean, there has to there has to be a god that keeps people from from. Seeing, seeing such a thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm right here. If I'm out of line, but it's just like, I don't know what to think. It's like, how how can someone not see it? You know, and um, and I think it wraps around the, like the whole notion of like you were just mentioning, you know, socialism in Venezuela. I mean, I just I saw Venezuelans while I was there in Colombia, and they were suffering. It, it, you know, like they're they're completely in the streets, nowhere to go, doing anything they can for a quarter of what. Colombians would do it, and destroy and the economy in Colombia is being destroyed. This is before coronavirus, and then I think about COVID, like all those people in the street. Where do they go? What happened to them? How many people died of hunger? I mean, it was already sixty-five percent of people dying of hunger, like uh, of kids. Like I think it was like what almost like what eight hundred a year that are dying of hunger, of malnutrition. And what happened now with the coronavirus? I mean, no one worked. Everyone got stuck at home. Eight to ten people in in, in one house. Or one like, and not even the house, like just one small place, you know. I mean, I, I think about all those people suffering, and yet here we have all the Americans, you know, not all Americans, but just the, the extremists, those who are behind pushing mandates and all these things, and they don't know how that's affecting the rest of the world. They don't know how, you know, as a leader in the world, to see what we're doing here, and yet that's that's destroying lives all around the world, and they don't care. The thing that I think is probably the most to blame for this is that they've become indoctrinated. So the purpose of our education system is to teach people how to think critically. But then a lot of educators, especially liberal educators around the country, use either positive or negative reinforcement to sort of fit them more into that narrative. And by the time they come out of the education system, they're so indoctrinated, they, they can't. They can't wrap their head around their beliefs might be wrong. In the way that they're being taught these terms, like terms like racism, xenophobic, they've become nebulous. You know, right. like, if... If you want, you know, tighter immigration laws or or our immigration laws to be enforced, you're xenophobic. At this point, all of the, you know, the alphabet terms they, they throw at us, they, they've become, you know, just like a quick way to shut a conversation down that they don't want to happen. Because I know when you have a conversation with someone, even if the person disagrees with you, once they've heard your ideas, those ideas stay with them. They're not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like just recently, uh, within the last month or so, I, I got a call from a concerned mother who told me that her daughter uh, was in class and all of a sudden the teacher starts talking about how she hates Trump. And I find that so inappropriate. 
so inappropriate. What, is that, what does that have to do with what they're teaching in class? What, what, what is her hate for Trump? And, and it's so funny because the left, the leftists talk so much about the intolerance for hate, but they're the first ones to tolerate. They're the first ones that use the word, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite just a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of double standards. And so we shouldn't be having that in our educate, education system. We, we don't, we don't encourage debate anymore. And I have to thank my mom because she put me in debate class and then she made me, she helped me um, with uh, everything I learned through debate, think critically. I think that was one of the biggest things I could, uh, that would help me a lot in my life was to question and think critically and, and, and look at it from both sides. You know, and when I didn't used to do LD debate, you, you had a premise, you know, the, and you had to do, do affirmative or negative, you know. Uh, whatever the resolve was, you had to do an affirmative case for it and a negative case for it. And you had to look at it from both sides. I remember the first time I couldn't do a case was based on immigration. I was so indoctrinated that, you know, during the time where we had um, the, all the protests, uh, I think it was against Bush at the time, and uh, all the protests about, you know, legal immigrants coming in and, you know, all the uh, deportations, all of that. I was all for that. I was all on, on their side. And I was just like, this isn't right. I was 15 years old, 16 years old. I didn't know what I was talking about. And when it, when it came time to, that was one of the resolve that, you know, that United States should, um, sh- uh, should legalize, you know, or should give amnesty to those who are legal immigrants or undocumented. I couldn't do the neck case like that. I could do affirmative case all day. But I couldn't do the neck. I couldn't. I couldn't think on the other side, and I had to force myself. But I could never do it the right way. And it wasn't until I got older that I was finally able to be open to the idea that I might be wrong. And that has helped me so much. Just just that openness of of being able to accept that you, you may be wrong about everything you know, and you have to make a choice on whether you're able to coexist with that with that idea and um, I, I think I've said this many times over in many groups I, I was I was in is that your whole life can change with just one question and that that question is thinking critically enough where you're able to basically question the status quo are things as they seem let's shift gears a little bit you were telling me that you uh, created a new group a new young Republicans group in Montana, right? Um, so th- there was a there was a chapter, the Lewis and Clark Young Republicans, that was kind of falling apart, and um, I took over as chair in the beginning of this year with COVID and everything else and everything that happened to me. I haven't paid too much attention to it until, uh, or I wasn't able to to really work on it until the last few months. And um, I'm really proud of this group. Uh, our our goal, basically, uh, as the our goal as, as a group is to inform uh, our city. We want to uh, be able to inform them about what's happening locally. Uh, though there's a lot of national issues that we could talk about, um, the things that make our, our, our differences in our everyday lives are what's happening locally, like these mandates, like what's happening in our city commission trying to defund police before, um, like a number of different issues that, that are happening that we have to stand up and let people know about it so they can know the truth about what's happening. 
And so that that's our goal. Our goal is to um, gather like minds, gather other people, and, and inform, 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 tell the other side of the story. Because a lot, it's so unfortunate here in Helena that we have so many people indoctrinated in college um, by by liberal professors and just just being you know just being told only one side of the story. You know what I'm saying? Uh, only their perspective. Better said, only their perspective. And you know. People have their, you know, I, I thank God we live in this country because people are, are free to think as they want, you know. Uh, I, I would fight for the right for a, a liberal or a leftist to believe what they want to believe, right? But they wouldn't do the same for me, and that's where I disagree with them, you know. Like, I, I, I believe we have a right to our own opinions, but we also have the right to tell our side of the story. And with the censorship that's going on with um, not not being open, as you said, not being open to, to hear others and their different opinions has been an issue. So we want to actually encourage debate. We like to have an opportunity instead of going out and actually having, you know, like these public fights, you know, public debates and fights. No, let's actually prepare a debate. You know, you come to our office and we'll set a date and you bring your substance and let's discuss it. Let's have a true debate and let and let people decide from there. I think that is really great and it's good to see that young people are getting involved and trying to educate people on conservative beliefs. But we are about out of time. I'd like to give you final thoughts and then please tell people where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so this is, again, Dennis and Rivetta, you know, for House District 79, Republican. Uh, I just want to encourage everyone to vote. Um, know that I am here to protect our freedoms, to protect our way of life, protect the American way of life. You can find more information about me on Rivetta4HD79.com or find me on Facebook on Dennis Rivetta for hd 79 So thank you so much again. God bless you all. And thank you, Rob, again for having me here. Thank you for coming. Well, that's our show, everyone. Please stay tuned to RNHA News Radio for all of the latest conservative news straight from the ground.